So if you will, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to James. We're going to be in James chapter 2. James chapter 2, starting with verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacking daily food, and one of, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but you don't give them what their body needs, what good is it? In the same way... Faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, good. Even the demons believe and they shudder. Senseless person, are you willing to learn that the faith without works is useless? Wasn't Abraham our father justified by works? In offering Isaac his son on the altar, you see that faith was active together with the works, and by works faith was made complete. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works in receiving the messengers and sending them out by a different route? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also is faith without works is dead. So I want to start off with a question just to ask ourselves that uh, when we think of the word works and we think about salvation with that, what is the first thing that pops in our minds? Um, is it a positive feeling or a negative feeling? I think there are many cases where we can take works, the word works is negative, uh, because we, we remember what Paul had said about works and, and faith. And, um, and Paul says we are saved by grace and not by works. And so sometimes we can think about what Paul says, and when we hear the word works, we link those together and we can think, well, I don't need works because I'm saved by grace and faith in Jesus. And so sometimes we can get to where that idea of works can become a negative thing to us. Um, I think there was one time where I was talking to someone who was a fellow believer in Christ, and I was talking about how there's things that we are supposed to be doing as Christians, and this, uh, this person who I, who I like and I love and I look up to, uh, she said, the only thing that's required of us is to be Christians. And I said, yeah, but there's a lot to that because Jesus gives us a lot to do, a lot of works to do. And so, as I said before, I believe that sometimes we as Christians, we don't look at it as something good because we don't want to think of it as something that saves us. And so I, again, want to apply the filter that I did last time from James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, where it talks about being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get anger. And then it says, for human anger does not accomplish the righteousness of God. And so, again, I believe that that's how we're supposed to respond to the word. When we hear the word, we listen to it. We don't be quick to speak. We don't be quick to get angry. We allow God's word to speak to our hearts. And, and because if we do get angry, we push out the things that he's trying to do inside of our hearts. And so I think that's important because I think many people have interpreted this passage the wrong way. 
and they've got confused and frustrated with it. I know when I was younger that I did that, that I didn't understand it because I'd always heard like it's not by works, it's by faith that you're saved, and we completely misinterpret that wrong. And so for an example of that, Martin Luther, who was known as the father of Reformation, um, he didn't care for this passage. And the reason he didn't care for this passage is because, well, he called it the epistle of straw. And he said that it resembles nothing of what salvation is about, that he believed that it was talking about being saved by works. And I believe that that happened because he wasn't really listening to what James was trying to say. That, uh, and I don't mean listening with our ears, I don't mean, I mean listening with our hearts. And so that goes back to that filter that I'm trying to point out, that when we don't listen to what God is trying to say us, we can misinterpret things like this, and God doesn't speak to our hearts because we shut them down. No, you're not saved by works, you're saved by faith. And so today we're going to talk about and discuss what this really means. Um, and so I want to define faith by what the Bible defines faith. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So that's Hebrews 11 verse 1. And so we can't see God. We can't see all that Jesus has done. But faith allows us to trust in what we can't see. And so true faith gives us hope. And so I want to define works too as well. Uh, I would define works as, based off of what Scripture kind of shows us with this passage, is our actions and deeds that we do towards God or for God towards others. And so I would think that's part of an explanation. Uh, I want to define it a little bit differently in light of this passage. And I would say that works are actions that accompany our faith in Jesus. And so in light of this passage, actions that accompany, they go with our faith in Jesus. In other words, if we have faith in Jesus, works will be there. And so I want to start off with uh, verse 14 here. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such faith save him? It's kind of where we start to get a little uh, iffy on the word save and works. And so James began by implying that you cannot separate faith from works, that they go hand in hand. And so to him, it is, it is unconceivable that people can claim to believe in Jesus but not have works in their lives. That someone can claim to believe but see no change, no need to change our actions and behavior, to change how we act towards others with our works. So works are actions that accompany our faith in Christ. What we often turn to when we think of works is the passages that Paul proclaims to us. And so I want to uh, just read a couple verses here, a few verses here. One of them starts in Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, uh, we're going to start with 4. Uh, through five. Now the one who works, pay is not credited as a gift, but as something owed. And so you think about, you go to work, you work for wages, you earn your keep. And uh, so Paul is saying that if you work for it, it's not a gift. It, you earned it. And so salvation is a gift from God. We can't earn it. And so that makes sense. That's an obvious thing for us who have realized that salvation is a gift. It says, but so... It goes on in verse 5, but to the one who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited for righteousness. And so a lot of times, many of us as Christians look at those verses and say, look, he says the one that doesn't work still has righteousness credited to him. 
And so we can kind of use those verses as a means to not have to do works. We can dismiss them in our lives. And so we often use it to say we don't need works. And so I want to go also to Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 10. This is another passage where he talks about being saved by grace and not by faith or not by works. So he says, For you are saved by grace through faith, and it is not from yourselves. In God's gift, it is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. And so, again, this is where we often stop when we read those verses. We stop, we see we're saved by grace, by faith, not through works, lest we boast. Um, and we, we fail to continue to the next verse after that. We just kind of stop there. But the verse actually goes on to verse 10, and there's actually more than what Paul tells us. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So we often separate those verses, but you can't separate them, because it goes on to say what we were made to do as Christians. So we are saved for good works, but we're not saved from good works. And we're not saved by good works because our deeds are as righteous as filthy rags. So there's nothing that we could ever do that's good enough to be married right with God. But we are not saved from good works because God has called us. He has set us apart to do good things for his kingdom. So before we were Christians, we did works. And, and they were, Paul puts it in Ephesians chapter 5, he calls it unfruitful deeds of darkness. So there were works that we did. Um, but he says, do not participate in unfruitful deeds of darkness, for you were formerly darkness, now you are light in the Lord. But be children of the light. And, and, it, call, and it says that the fruit of the light is goodness, righteousness, and truth. Um, that's Ephesians chapter 5. And so our lives are saturated with goodness displayed by good works, by how we treat others. And so... Um, we have to get it out of our heads that as Christians, being Christians is all about getting into heaven because we have commands to live by now, a royal law that is to be fulfilled. And that comes in the form of works. And so verses 15 through 17, if a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself. And so James compares faith without works with the idea of empty words. In other words, he's saying, give, he's saying go and be warm and be fed, but if you're not having actions to that, then what good is it? It doesn't accomplish anything. And so works are actions that should accompany, accompany these words. That when we say stuff, it's not, because if those actions aren't there, then it's just good intentions. And good intentions achieve nothing for God and his kingdom. So we are not saved just from damnation. We are not saved just from the fate of the lost. We are saved from the ways of the lost, from the ways that the world thinks, to do good works not merely called to be followers of Christ so that we can get into heaven. We're called to be sons and daughters of the living God. And before we came to Christ and after we came to Christ, there should be a change there. Before we come to Christ, we're selfish, self-seeking, and we have evil works, and that and doing things that God says not to do. After we come to Christ, our life should look differently, that we deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and uh, love God and love others and our lives look different. 
So works are display of love. Love is not passive, it is active. And so God calls us to do. When I say love is not passive, it's active. We don't just think fondly of others. We don't just in our hearts say, I love this person. And and just even with our mouths too, just say, I love this person. It's active. It's an ability. We act upon what we believe. We act upon what our hearts say. And so Jesus shows us this in Luke chapter 6, verses 46. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I say? And so it goes back to works is, is oftentimes the works that we don't want to do, uh, or we think that we don't need works. But Jesus tells us that if you call me Lord, if you believe in me, then you will do as I say. And so you're saying you have faith to him, but if you have faith in him, you will live out what he tells you to do, and that's works. The Gospels are full of Jesus' instructions on how we carry out good works because we believe in him. In other words, Jesus is saying, you may say that you are my followers, but actions and works speak louder than words. If our faith has not changed the way we love and treat others, then it is dead faith and it can't save us. The verses 18 through 19, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is good, good. Even the demons believe and they shudder. So James is once again separating or addressing the ones that would like to separate works from faith. And works show that we have faith in Jesus. And, and I, I once used an illustration whenever I was talking to someone um, who, who just couldn't get it past their head. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to do anything. We've got faith. There's no, such, there's no need for works. And I explained it like this, concerning that faith without works is dead, that works are like the heartbeat of a heart. If you come across somebody who is laying on the ground, one of the, ways you, one of the first things you do is you check their pulse. And that's the way that you know if they're dead or not. And it's the same thing, that works show that our faith in Jesus is alive, and it's saving us, and it's changing us. So believing without works is a type of faith that Satan has. So Satan could come into this church, he could sit in these chairs, and he could attend worship, and he could, um, he could sing to God, he could sit in our Sunday school classes, uh, and we can even, I mean, we could get him to come to a, any type of Bible study or a church event. But if we ask him to give his life to Christ, surrender his life to Christ and do exactly what Jesus says in obedience to him, he would not do that because he has rebelled against God and it's not in his nature to obey God. And so if we have faith that's a believing knowledge, we come to church, we can come to church Sunday after Sunday, but if we haven't given our lives to him and surrendering and living for him, then it shows that our faith is dead and we have the same type of faith, faith as James says, as demons. And so I want to talk about a little bit what qualifies as works. I believe uh, sometimes we fail to define works because uh, and that's why we don't like them sometimes. Uh, but religion, that, uh, but James says it earlier in, in chapter 1. He says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphans and the widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Not making sacrifices by rules. And so 
sometimes we think about all the different things that they did in the Old Testament to be righteous before God, to have God sacrifice uh, something to God so that they could be forgiven of their sins. But it's more than that. It's, it's just doing good things towards others. Uh, earlier in this passage, he talks about helping the poor, giving them food, giving them clothing. So, but it's not just physical needs, because James in a later passage is going to talk about how we use our words to build people up or to tear them down. And so those all fall under the law of love your neighbor as yourself. And so why do we neglect this? Why do we neglect this? I believe that as, as Christians in this country and all across the world, we can neglect this because we have plans. We have things that we have in life that we want to get done, we want to accomplish, and sometimes those plans overshadow what God is calling us to do. That we oftentimes don't make him the center of our lives, and we don't put what he wants us to do in front of us instead of the own agendas that we have. And I find myself guilty of this. Uh, I find myself trying to chase the American dream at times. I find myself uh, being comfortable in, in my life and the things that I found comfort in. And I think, I believe that that keeps us from turning to God and living out the life that he has planned for us. He goes on in verse 20 and says, Senseless person, are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? So James gets a little personal here. He's, the audience that he's talking to, he says, senseless person, are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? So James, I think James stumbled upon, like what he said kind of describes what the real issue is. He asked if they're willing to understand. And so I don't believe that sometimes it's because we don't get it. Sometimes I believe that we're not willing to get it. I think the truth is, is that we often don't want to see and we're not willing to learn that there's more to the Christian life. We would rather enjoy what we have in this life than to lose what we have for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. We are often not blind to what James is telling us. We just want to justify the fact we don't want to perform works at times. So sometimes we label works as bad and we dismiss them and use grace as a means to neglect them. I have grace, I don't need works. I have faith, I don't need works. I don't need to leave out, live out and do all these things because I'm saved and I'm good. I'm made right with God, but that's not what it's all about. It's also about representing him and living for him. Verses 21 through 23. Wasn't Abraham our father justified by works on the offering? Isaac, his son on the altar. You see that faith was active together with his works. And by his works, faith was made complete. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. And so I'm not going to assume that everyone knows the story, uh, that Abraham was, as we know the song, the story in the song is children we grew up. He had many sons, many sons had father Abraham. Um, and he, he didn't have anyone that was going to carry out his family line. And so God came to here. He came and he talked to God. And he wanted God just to use his other son, whose name was Ishmael, to carry out his line. And so he said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son. And you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And so... I believe, believe the more I focused on that verse, that last verse 19, 
I believe that God never intended on letting Isaac die, and I think we all know that. Um, but I also believe that Abraham knew that God never intended on letting Moses die, on letting Isaac die. Um, the covenant that God made Abraham, he was going to make a covenant with Isaac and his descendants. And so that's a covenant that God had promised to Abraham that he was going to make with Isaac's descendants. I believe that Abraham, especially after receiving Isaac as a son, knew that God wasn't going to ask for his son to be actually sacrificed because he looked back to the covenant, the covenant that was supposed to be made with Isaac later on. And so he based this on his firm belief that God would not break his covenant. He took Isaac to sacrifice, knowing God was faithful because he promised Isaac a covenant before Isaac was even born. That kind of faith leads us to live like Abraham, to move when God says to move, to give our comforts and our lives for his goodwill, knowing that he has our best interest in, in mind and that what he has planned for our lives is better. And those type of things, our actions, our works, just like Abraham proved that he trusted God, those type of things, when we move, when he says moves, proves that we actually believe in him. So I want to go to verse 24 through 26. You see, a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute justified by works and receiving the message and sending them out by a different route? For just as the body is without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. So the question still gets asked in our hearts maybe here. Justified by works and not faith alone? You cannot separate the two. And I believe that this is what he's saying. If you have faith in Jesus, there will be works. So what does it mean to believe and have faith in Jesus? I think sometimes we get this incomplete. It's not just that he existed. It's not just that he died and was buried and rose again. That is the essential part of it. But John 3.16 tells us something that is a little more, and that's to believe in him. It doesn't just mean to believe in the acts that he did, to believe in him. So what does it look like to believe in him? Whoever believes in him. Not just the works, the death, the burial, and resurrection, and not just that he died for our sins, but that he is Lord. And so what are the implications of Jesus being Lord over our life? He is boss. He knows all things. He is God. And what he says goes. If he tells us to love unconditionally in a way that it is, <clears throat> in a way that, and unconditionally in a way, then it is up to us by his grace to practice the kind of love that he demands of us to feed the hungry and give drink to the thirsty. Show love and hospitality to the stranger, the ones who we don't even know. Clothe the naked, take care of the sick, visit those in prison, the outcast, the ones cut off from the world. Share the gospel to a world that is dying without the knowledge that there is a God that loves them and is desired to spend eternity with them. And so those are works. Whether we look at works that way or not, we don't think about offering sacrifices, offering sheep up to God. Those are good works. And so we do work as Christians because we are not called to rest while we're here. We're not called to live a life of comfort, but to surrender every action to Christ in obedience. His work is his yoke. If you remember, whenever he says, come to me, all you are weary, and I will give you rest, he says, take my yoke upon you. 
and I will give you rest. It's not a stretch to say that his rest is how we live out our lives with works. Because he goes on to say after that, learn from me for I am gentle and humble. So the more we become like Christ, being gentle and humble, we find rest for our souls. And we do that by working out and and doing the deeds that he's called us to do as his children. So his, his yoke is easy and light. It brings joy to our lives. It brings meaning and purpose and fulfillment while we are here. So living out good deeds, good works, does that in our hearts. Brings us fulfillment and joy and peace. It is a good thing to do works for God and towards others. So why do we often not do works? We see the lives we have as all there is here. We look at our lives now and we get consumed by the things that we're living for and we forget that there's a life that Christ has called us to live for. The good works that he has set apart for us as each of his children, we forget those sometimes. And so the question is, have you experienced it? Or do you view Christianity as life as a burden? So what I mean by that is that sometimes we look at Christianity from the outside, and we look and we see a bunch of rules and no fun, and, uh, and so a lot of people neglect it because they don't realize that finding joy and living for others is available to all of us. So if we can neglect these works... The question would be, do we really belong to him? If we can live our lives in comfort and not care about the things that he's called us to do, do we really belong to him? The answer is no, according to James. Those who believe are called to do works and want to do works. They want to do works. Their hearts have been changed. And he has not placed a burden on us as his children, but a blessing. We do these things because Jesus has done these things for us. And so that is the key. When we realize what he did for us on the cross, that he came into this world and that all of us are worthy of death because of our sin, then we realize what good of a gift that he has given us. And and we, we love God because he first loved us. That's what the Bible tells us. And so when we recognize his love for our hearts, our lives, it changes our hearts. And in turn, we want to serve others the way that he served us. And so I just want us to think about that because I I know the mindset of a lot of Christians, the mindset that I used to have, that works are not necessary um, because we're saved by faith. And, And for a very long time in my life, I believed myself to be saved Um, I went to church, my dad was the pastor, and I just grew up believing myself to be saved because of those things. And um, looking back in my heart, because I kept hearing saved by faith, I pushed aside works. I didn't see a need for any of that, and I didn't really care to do them. Uh, It wasn't on my agenda in life. But after I came to Christ, there was a heart change. God took my life and did something new with it. And then he turned my desire, and I'm not, I'm not perfect at it. I, there are many times where I'm still selfish in my life. There are many times where I'm not living out what he tells me to live out. Um, but he's given me a desire to do for others. And I, I do my best to grow in that desire. I do my best to act on that desire. And so we all have to ask the question of what our feelings are on works. And we have to ask ourselves, are we being faithful in the works that Jesus has called us to live? Um, 
And if not, what changes do we need to make to get there? So I'm going to go ahead and pray. And then we are going to have the worship team come up. Actually, I did it again. Uh, we're going to have a time of pastoral prayer. And uh, so a time where if, uh, if you have any burdens, if you have any things you want to share with God, if you have some convictions, maybe just by listening to what James has said, that there should be change in our lives, you can come up here, you can talk to God, you can talk to him where you're at. Uh, so if you have a few moments of that, then uh, we'll pray over at the end. If you guys would go ahead and pray.